When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. This is a Piccolo podcast production. Well, Cameron Green's day today, he brought up his maiden test century. So a great moment for the young Australian. Welcome to Cricket Unfiltered. And it's our day two wrap from the fourth test of the Border Gavaskar Trophy. I'm Andrew Mensel, and I'm joined by Paul Dennett. And Paul, I just want to start by saying that uh, I'm thinking of uh, Pat Cummins and his family after they lost uh, Maria Cummins overnight, Pat's mother. And, uh, yeah, just um, thinking of him and his family. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Very sad to hear the death of his mother. Um, so the team wore black armbands today out of respect to to the, um, the Cummins family. And um, Australia started the day at four for 255. Um, what did you make of the first session? Glorious. Um, just everything... Everything I could have dreamt of and more. Um, they were they were slow to begin with, but that was okay. They got twenty three runs off the first thirteen overs, but that was probably the right thing to do. India were giving a few singles away. They were playing themselves in, and then um, Yadav started to to struggle, and the Green started to really pick off the boundaries. The scoring rate accelerated and. They finished up getting almost 100 runs in the session without the loss of a wicket. And Cameron Green, as you said, um, I think he got to the, the – the was 96 not out, I think he was, at, at lunch. Uh, so he brought his century up after lunch. 
But uh, yeah, it was just a glorious session. One of the most enjoyable sessions I've seen of an Australian side batting in India for a long time. Yeah, I thought Usman Khawaja started the day really well. Sometimes, I don't know, batting, batting up after batting the day before, you can go pretty quickly. But uh, he played really nicely. I thought he took the pressure off green for a little while there. And as you say, they made 92 runs in the first session. It's sort of a good pace. And then after the lunch break, green brought up his ninth first-class century. He's a first-ever test century. It came off 143 balls. It was just a fantastic beginnings. And I just it was just so great to see him sort of realise the potential uh, that he's promised for so long. For sure. And what a partnership that those two produced because – they took Australia from, as I said at the time, tottering on the edge of really squandering an opportunity to uh, p- putting themselves into a position of significant um, uh, solidity, or at least it seemed that, that way uh, at the time. Uh, it was absolutely what we needed. Um, and I was talking about yesterday the disappointment that our two best players in Smith and Labashain weren't able to deliver. And we, we needed that fifth wicket partnership to... Um, to, to be so big, and it was, and it was, yeah, absolutely fantastic. It was a little bit unlucky the way that Green was was out. He didn't look like getting out and went to sweep one sort of a poor ball down the leg side and got a, got a, a faint hint of a glove through to the keeper. So a slightly unlucky way to end. That's kind of the only way they're probably going to get him out the way he was batting. Yeah, I mean, a few features from Green's innings today. I thought he was very composed um, today as he approached his century, and it kind of reminds me of the calmness that I've seen when I've watched him make big runs at, at Sheffield Shield level. He, he does, and, and he, actually, he's been on this podcast. I interviewed him a couple of years ago, and he's a very sort of calm, he's like a sort of big, friendly giant. And, um, you know, he just looked so at home there. And, I, you know, fingers crossed, but I think this will be the first of many, many test centuries. Yeah, he's been really... Um... Hasn't been dealt the worst hand, has he? Six foot eight, can bat, can bowl. Seems like a nice guy. I think he's good at Aussie rules football as well. Um, One of the yeah. best gully fielders <laughs> I've ever seen. Not that I'm jealous of him at all, um, you know, but, geez, he's, he's on a good wicket. <laughs> yeah, and I have to say, when I interviewed him, he was a really nice fellow. So, um, But though, you spoke of that partnership between Kawaja and Green. They put on 208 it's the equal third highest partnership in India by visiting batters in the last 10 years. Um, so um, Green ended up with 114 off 170 deliveries. And then Alex Carey came out. And um, how did you describe the shot that um, Carey played to get out? <laughs> I lost my mind a bit when he got out. I actually tweeted it and then deleted it because I thought it was um, it was a bit of an unfair tweet. But I said it was a... Because uh, you said you'd missed it briefly because you'd had to do something. I, I wanted to describe it for you. And I said it was halfway between a cover drive and the act of a selector writing uh, Inglis's name down on the team sheet. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I caught up and watched it. Um, and the ball was sort of pitched up outside off stump. 
And I just have no idea where he was t- trying to hit it. Um, like, you know, it was Ravi Ashwin bowling to him. He'd already got a wicket in the over. And I'm still not sure, like, where he was trying to hit it. That's the perplexing thing for me. He just sort of threw the bat at it. Um, so th- th- that was unfortunate. There was a bit of um, chatter on Twitter about maybe Josh Inglis uh, coming in for him. Um I like both of them. I, I like English probably a little bit more, but it just, just at that point, um, I, I thought we we could have done with just a steadier hand from Kerry, considering Kawaja was going so well at the other end. Yeah, so it's it's just the sort of thing that I don't understand what they were thinking, and um, the it was interesting to me watching Brendan Julian and Brad Haddon a little bit at the lunch break. And I, I, I caught the end of what they were saying just as the as play was resuming. Now, Australia resumed from lunch at the, there was something like three for 350-odd. And they were talking about, oh, finally, Australia's in a position where they can boss the game, that there's no pressure on them now. This is a turn-up for the books. And um, they're talking about when Carey does come in, he can play and had and say he can play like wicketkeepers do. And, you know, just a quick 50 from him will, will do the job. And I thought... They misread the score. That That's the way that they should be talking if Australia was 100 more or even 150 more because there's been so many instances of matches in the subcontinent where these pitches are slow and low and it looks like nothing's happening where the side batting first scores 400 or so and it's not enough because the side batting second matches it or exceeds it and then when the, when the side batting first comes out again, by then the pitch has started to turn. So... I hope that that's not the same message that Kerry was given. I hope, you know, I hope that your um, much vaunted, brilliant captaincy tactics of um, Smith weren't. Oh, mate, we've got this in the in the bag. Get out there and get a few quick runs before we can um, get them in and start bowling at them. It was just a uh, for, to a bloke on naught off three balls to have played that shot. Uh, I, I just thought was really disappointing. Now, I'm normally someone who's very eager for aggressive play. I think the ball was there to be hit. There was an aggressive shot to be played because it was floated up a little bit. But to just try and whack it into the next stadium when you're on naught, I don't think that was a very responsible shot. Yeah, I, I do agree. Um, just on your broader point there about the state of the game, you know, Australia finished with 480, um, India at none, a none for 36 at stumps. You know, there's you know every chance India could get a big lead and Australia has to bat on the fifth day to sort of salvage the game. So, you know, your fears were well-founded. We'll get into the details of why, but, um, yeah, you're spot on. I thought that, um, you know, Australia really needed as many as they could get. Well, I had a look just just before this, and I, I knew that there was a couple of matches that that were specifically in my memory, and it took me only about a few seconds. I found one, um, and then I found a better one. So I'm giving you the better example. Um, in the 2010 tour, Australia batted first in um, in in Bangalore and made 478, so virtually the same score here. India then got 495. Australia got 223. Um, and India cruised to victory, scoring three for 207. Um, it's You can't be too upset about Australia getting 480 when we were, as I said, teetering on the brink when we were four down. But And it's quite possible that the pitch will deteriorate faster than I'm fearing and that Australia could end up with a nice lead and, and go on to win the game. I just think, especially given how well towards the end uh, Lyon and Murphy batted, uh, it would have been nice to get a little bit more 
the, than 480. I know that's greedy, but I, I was hoping for 600, quite honestly. I would have taken it. Um, so, yeah, um, Green went, Kerry went in the same over. Then ele- uh, 11 runs later, Stark went for just six again to Ashwin. And then, and I think that was his fifth wicket. Um, Ashwin took his 32nd Fifer in test cricket, and he has now the most test wickets by an Indian bowler against Australia. So uh, Stark went. And then Kawaja went not long after, just about 22 runs later after T. He went for 180 off 422 balls. It's the third highest score by an Aussie in India behind Dean Jones' famous innings and Matt Hayden. And um, it's um, it was the longest innings by an Australian player in India um, batting for for the first player to bat for over 400 balls, the first Aussie player. So he goes, and Australia are 409 for eight, and, you know, that's a middling score. So 409 for eight, and that's a middling score. But then Todd Murphy and Nathan Lyon put on 70 for the ninth wicket. Murphy was out 41 off 61 balls. And I have to say, man, I know you love DRS, but that was unlucky. That was just, just barely touching leg stump, and he was out on umpire's call. Oh, yeah, but, I mean, live, I thought it was plumb. Um, and then on review, it wasn't barely touching. It was clipping a fair bit of the of the leg stump. Um, yeah, I mean, the, to, to assume that the technology has got that wrong and that that was actually missing leg stump, that's just not how – that was definitely hitting. He's out. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. I was just trying to wind you up. No, um, I, just, I, just, up. I just enjoy um, being factual. Uh, and then Nathan Lyon was the last man out to um, – he was caught by Coley off Ashwin and edged it, uh, sort of clipped Barrett and floated up to first slip. Um, so he was out for 34. So that was a nice little partnership by Lyon and Murphy. I've, I've not seen Murphy um, bat that much, and it was quite a revelation. Yeah, I'd read that he'd started his career as a batter, and – Clearly, those first three pitches were pretty, uh, pretty difficult set of pitches to begin your your international career on, and suddenly with a pitch that's got a, a little bit more uh, friendliness for the batting side in there, then he showed that he certainly can can handle it. And but as I said, that's the concern for me. If um, if Lyon and Murphy can put on um, a stand of that size and do it with very you know very very comfortably and at a fairly decent clip then that shows that the pitch is still is still very good. A couple of words. One for Kawaja. I mean, God, where, where would we be without him? Um, we might have already lost this match without him. Uh, magnificent innings. Um, bizarre dismissal that he just missed a straight one um, after having looked in such uh, flawless form the whole time. I think it probably just a sort of a, a lapse in concentration, which you can excuse when someone's facing their 422nd delivery after having batted for two days in heat. That I think today was verging on 40 degrees. Um, shocking umpiring decision, not giving it out. It was absolutely plumb. Um, and then, of course, upon review was shown to be so. But um, fantastic. And Ashwin, uh, look at his figures in the context of the game. When... Everyone else is getting uh, nothing out of the wicket and the side gets 480. Ashwin, 47.2 overs, 6 for 91, going at a run rate of 1.92. Magnificent uh, yet again from, from Ashwin. Yeah, I mean, I just thought Kawaja played so well today. He looked – I mean, I thought he was 
you know, really um, disappointed to, to not make a double ton because he's made some big scores. Um, so, yeah, look, terrific innings. Um, it'll go down in history, I think, as um, one of the finest efforts by an Aussie on the subcont- subcontinent. Um, so Australia end up with 480, pretty good score. Um, and then in India come out, and I thought they looked pretty comfortable. They were none for 36 at stumps, and uh, Australia sort of didn't trouble them. Yeah, that can happen, though. Um, I think the Aussies were probably maybe in those first few overs going for the, the hero ball of trying to uh, swing it back in and get an LBW, and a few shots went to the boundary and a few shots went for, for some easy runs. And it is just a very, very good pitch, and I think that's that was borne out. It has been baking on it. Uh, hopefully, at some stage on day three, a few balls will start to spin. Um, you know, I've, I've talked 480 down a little bit. It still is a very, very big total. So Australia can afford to have several hours of the Indians doing that. But as long as at some point they do get something out of the wicket, um, if they can uh, engineer a, a cluster of wickets and whatever else, and hopefully bowl India out for, you know, if we could get a lead of 100 or something and then come out come out and spank it around and send India in, in, in the final innings with a difficult chase, we could still definitely um, win this game. Uh, but I think that we may find that there are periods tomorrow where that looks a long way away, but it can change very quickly in India. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit with you. I thought Australia batted really well. I'm so proud of their effort after those first uh, two test matches. Now to to go out there and grind it out for two days, uh, you know, there'd been all those complaints after the losses that they they didn't have the ticker for it. Well, I mean, you, there was a lot of fight shown in the last two days. They kept the Indians out there for a long time. And it, as you say, it may benefit and it turn out to be a you know, good set of circumstances for the Aussies. Kawaja's innings, um, just just the endurance. I mean, one of the knocks on him for a long time is he you know, hasn't been fit enough and uh, doesn't train hard enough. Uh, maybe I've even said that. But uh, to just bat out there for, for almost two days, that's, that's just a mighty effort in 35-degree heat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, I don't recall you saying that. I certainly haven't said it, I don't think. Oh, no, I just made some comments about him saying that I have to warm up. But um, he actually made some very pointed remarks in the press conference last night, kind of pointing the finger at a few former coaches that hadn't supported him. And um, I sort of got a fair idea of who he might be talking about, but he didn't name them, so I won't. But you could tell, I mean, this means a lot to him to to have this special tour of India. Um, so, yeah, just we're seeing a, a beautiful... Um, in twilight to his career. All right, now there's a few um, – anything else you want to talk about before we get to the chat? Um, I did listen to a little bit of radio um, briefly today when I had to drive, and Mike Baird, the new chairman of Cricket Australia, was on there. He's the former Premier of the state of New South Wales. I thought he spoke pretty well. I mean, obviously he's a politician. He does speak well. Um, but we'll have to see – have to judge him on what he does – but I, I think that when I compare my first impressions of hearing him in the job to the the previous bloke, the, the guy from Western Australia, the, the hospital Freudenstein. guy whose name has um, already escaped me, um, at least Baird seemed a few, was willing to give a few more specifics and say a few more concrete things rather than just sort of vague, sort of nice platitudes and 
kind of generally good statements. Um, so, no, you know, you can't judge much by that, but I found that um, reasonably encouraging. I do think Cricket Australia needs a figurehead like Mike Baird. The CEO, Nick Hockley, is a fine administrator, but, you know, he's not sort of – doesn't have the the experience that Mike Baird does have with dealing with the media. And um, so I think that is important for cricket because it does need an important, um, you know, mouthpiece um, to fight for it and um, to, to talk on important issues. I think that's been lacking in the last few years. Um, all right, well um, – Let's get into the questions. Um, Joe Smith said, Smith's plan of scoring at 2.8 runs for two days on a road could be a disaster for Australia. Thoughts? Oh, I, I said yesterday I thought that Smith himself missed an opportunity and that um, he would have been better off batting a little bit more aggressively. Uh, and I think that... Um, the fact that Green was able to bat more aggressively and do so successfully, and so were the tail, and and Kawaja was scoring still more uh, at a higher rate than Smith was. So I think that, uh, you know, he, he, he possibly got that wrong a little bit. But I think the overall um, innings was at a, of a, of a reasonably decent pace, um, scoring just under three and over. I can't remember exactly what they finished with, but it was, was it, was it 2.8? Um, I probably would have liked a little bit faster, but I I haven't got a major criticism of it. Yeah, look, they didn't accelerate as much today as I thought maybe they might. I mean, they only scored, what, 225 runs today um, after starting at 255, and they batted for most of the day, I think about 80 overs or just under. So they didn't really ever um, collar the bowling today. And I guess, you know... Kawaja himself didn't accelerate. He was very steady the whole time with a strike rate of around that 45. So uh, I'm not too fussed with it. Um, you know, ha- had they scored a bit quicker um, today at points, maybe they'd get a tick over 500. But uh, I think you, you, it's not a big deal. No. And for all my pessimism about the fact that I, I was hoping for a bit more and I'm disappointed with the way that Kerry batted, still... 480, um, <laughs> particularly in this series, is a big score. And as I said earlier in the podcast, there is still every chance that um, you know, India could be uh, one for 250 tomorrow at some point and Australia could still go on to win it. The, with 480, you kind of get many, many opportunities before you exactly. really kind of start to fear the, the where how the opposition are going. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and uh, last question was from... Monty Francis, what do you think the future looks like for Cam Green? Will he live up to his potential? Uh, I think the early signs are he will. He's um, averaging, he's made his first test century. He's taken a five-wicket haul at test level. He's only played 20 tests. I mean, he's rivaling um, the great all-rounders in history with the start he's had. So he's already lived up to it. And I think if he stays fit, he'll he'll continue. Yeah, I mean, the only thing is, I suppose, in terms of him living up to his potential is that his potential is just so, so enormous that, um, put it this way, if he does live up to his potential, then he may well be the greatest all-rounder ever. So that's a massive thing to live up to. So, you know, the 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 percentages would say that, you know, he's not going to do that because it's just so hard. But for a guy who came into Sheffield Shield cricket as a new ball or a first change bowler and for a while was averaging in the low 20s 
and oh, he bats a bit as well, to then hear Greg Chappell say he's the most talented young batter he's seen since Ricky Ponting. He's got a first-class average touching 50 now, um, and he's a fantastic fielder as well. You know, you, you could imagine him as someone who finishes with a, a test batting average in the 50s and a, and a bowling average in the sort of high 20s, and no one's done that. So, yes, it's a massive amount of potential to live up to, but he might well do it. I mean, I sort of think Jack's callous when I think of sort of the record Green could end up with. Yeah, although I'm, I'm sort of, I think Callis averaged low 30s with the ball. Uh, I think Green's potential is to actually um, uh, be be even lower than that. Well, great stuff. Thanks um, for everybody um, for watching our live show and listening to the podcast. Uh, Paul, I don't know if you heard the news today, but uh, cricket lost the Marsh brother. Sean Marsh has retired from first-class cricket. Yep, I saw that. So he's continuing in uh, Big Bash? I, I don't know. Um, he, he may play. I mean, he may be still be contracted, but um, I'm not sure. But no more for Western Australia. So after 22 years of uh, playing for Western Australia, we, we've just got Mitch Marsh now. You're goading me here. No, you know, Sean Marsh. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I am goading you. No need to say anything. But, um, you know, Sean Marsh, great career. I had a look at it. Um, he made seven one-day international hundreds for Australia, averaging a tick over 40. He made six test, six test centuries at an average of 35. Look, he had an up-and-down career. but 34. You know, 13, 13 centuries for your country uh, is not something to be sneezed at. No, it's not great, though. You can't call he had a great career. He had a, a very decent career. Um, and I, I don't, I'm not saying that to be churlish. I'm just saying that you've got to call it what it is. A, a, test, average of, a test average of 34.3 and a first-class average of 41.2 uh, is very respectable. Anything over 40 is good. Uh, so he had a, a very respectable career, a very good career at first-class level. Um, didn't quite succeed at test level, uh, but certainly... Um, in the one-day internationals, uh, averaging 41 at a strike rate of 81, that's pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, you know, uh, and loads and loads of runs in all forms of cricket and, by all accounts, a really nice guy. So, yeah, you can't go to me. Um, I'm, I'm very um, – and I, even, I, I hope he continues in the, in the white ball circuit for a while to come. Yeah, indeed. Well, um, everybody, thank you for listening and downloading the show. Don't forget, rate and review the show on your favourite podcast app or, or leave a comment or a like on YouTube. Um, sh- share it with your cricket-loving friends. Uh, Paul, uh, we'll catch up tomorrow night for Day three's wrap. Looking forward to it, mate. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.